Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, that is right. What is up, Atlanta? This is the John Chuckery Show right here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. No John Chuckery tonight. He is at home enjoying the national championship. I am Chris Thomas. You may know me as Turtle from Dukes and Bell, along with my partner, Squid Billy. We are the other side of the glass right here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game on the weekends. But tonight, oh yeah, that's right, National Championship Game Night duties for yours truly. And I am so excited to be taking you right from kickoff until the end of the game. That is right. I am going to be with you for every single second of this game. The Georgia Bulldogs are taking the field as we speak and we will keep you updated all night long. We also have so much other stuff to get into tonight. Falcons win their final game of the season. I was in attendance, and I will give you my full thoughts on Desmond Ritter, and I want yours as well. In just a few minutes, I'm going to open up the phone lines and the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line, 404-741-0929, and ask you, Did you see enough from Desmond Ritter over the four games that he was quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons to make him QB1 going into next season? But before we dive into that, let me say a pleasant good evening to my super producer tonight. That is one Day Day Lewis. Day Day, listen, 
I know there's nowhere else you'd rather be than with a 21-inch TV in the corner of the studio watching the Natty with yours truly. So I appreciate you being here tonight, sir. Hey, it's an honor, man. It's an honor to be hanging out with you and uh, catching all the reactions live from you, bro. That's right. We're going to be doing this thing live all night long, taking you up until the end of the game. After that... Dylan Matthews and Oren Romaine will be live on air taking your calls, win or lose, to this game. And guess what, guys? The only radio station in town that's doing that for you. So as soon as this game ends, you flip on the radio, which should already be on to me. But if for some reason it's not, you turn on 92.9 The Game and you get on our phones and you react to hopefully the dogs winning back-to-back national titles. Now, while we have a few minutes before this game actually kicks off, let's see where we're at, right? Georgia is a huge favorite in this game. 13, up to 13 and a half points I've seen it at. That is a tremendous number for a national championship game. Do they deserve it? In my opinion, mm, if you take their season as a totality, maybe. But given the way their last few games have gone, I don't know. To me, that is a mighty, mighty big number. Do I think Georgia's going to win this game? I do. Do I think they're going to cover the spread? Probably not. We've seen TCU unleash some serious firepower against some of the best teams in college football. So for me, here's your stat. Points per game for TCU, 41.1. For Georgia, 39.4. Okay, so these teams are pretty dead even when it comes to points per game. But then we get to points allowed per game. 25 for TCU, and here's the kicker, guys. Here is the kicker. Just 12.9 for your Georgia Bulldogs. That is an astounding stat given where this team was coming into the season losing 15 guys to the NFL and still remaining that elite on the defensive side of the ball. We saw them sleepwalks a little too strong, but not give their best effort against some inferior opponents this season. But when they've had to step up and put their money where their mouth is, they've been able to do it. So I want you to hear from David Polly. He was on with Dukes and Bell earlier last week, and he said this game comes down to the trenches, and I fully agree with him. If Georgia's going to win this game, especially their defensive line, is going to need to show up because last week against Ohio State, eh, got to be honest with you. I know a lot of you had that same reaction. So here's Polly. TCU's line is better than Ohio State's. I thought Ohio State was was really just average at at center and two guards. I think they're really average at both tackles, um, much better than TCU's. But as a whole, I think TCU's got at least two guys up front that'll get drafted. Um, they got a really, really, really good guard. Uh, their scheme allows them a lot of space because the quarterback runs and the motions and, and, and all the spread elements of their offense and with tempo. So, I mean, listen, they, they got – when you look at – their uh, their players they got a they got a receiver dude that's going to be drafted the first the number one receiver off the board they, they got a quarterback that's going to be drafted they got a running back that's a top five running back in college football they got 
an elite guard. They got a, a really good offensive line. Like, there's a lot of things about you know this TCU offense that's gonna that's gonna make you play really really well. It's gonna it's make you watch tape and go, okay, I got a lot of respect for these guys. They're not just a Cinderella story. Yeah, and he's exactly right. You saw everyone saw the game last week. That was a slugfest. That was as much. I watched that game with a Michigan fan who was sweating bullets basically that entire game because of the way the offense was absolutely nonstop in that game. By the way, TCU is taking the field on offense first, so we will keep you posted throughout the rest of this segment if anything crazy happens as this game gets underway. Okay, now I need to shift to the Falcons because I was at the game yesterday, and I was really, really excited to go. Why? Two reasons. One, probably will be the last time I ever see Tom Brady in person. So that was really cool to get to see him play a couple series. Two, and most importantly, I got to see Desmond Ritter up close and personal. Thank you, Mike Conti, our head honcho here, for providing me with some uh, some sweet seats, not going to lie. You can check out my Twitter page, at C. Thomas Radio, and you can see exactly where we were perched for this final game of the season. So I had a really good eye on Desmond, and I was watching him intently throughout the entire game. So here's the thing. I saw a lot that I liked, and I saw a lot that, unfortunately, in my opinion, reminded me a little too much of what we saw this season from Marcus Mariota. But my final conclusion is this. You absolutely need to go into next season with Marcus with, with Marcus. Marcus Mariota will be nowhere near the Atlanta Falcons at the start of next season, but Desmond Ritter should be QB1 for this team going forward. I saw enough from him to give him a chance. Why? Honestly, it has less to do with him and more to do with what the Atlanta Falcons need. And they need to draft the following in the following order. Defensive lineman, offensive lineman, and cornerback with their first three picks of the draft, where they will be picking eight unless they decide to trade up or trade back, which I don't really see happening. I think this team will stay exactly where it is unless they get some deal that knocks them off their socks one way or the other. I would, I would predict they're going to stay pat. But I saw enough from Desmond, and this team has too many other needs, in my opinion, for him not to be QB1 week one next season. What say you? Going to open up the phone lines with a couple minutes here. We're going to bring on Joe Patrick at the top of next hour, 404-741-0929. That is also the number for the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line. You can text in the show if you're watching the game and you want to just shoot me a quick text. Let me know. Was Desmond Ritter's performance over the final four games of the season enough to warrant him being QB1 for 2023 and potentially beyond? And here's the thing. The Falcons are not going to be in a position to take C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. They need to maximize their capital, which is $70-odd million in cap space, and their high draft pick, and use that to be able to to surround Desmond Ritter with the help that I would say the Falcons maybe not desperately need, but guys, we all know we're smart enough. This team has a lot of holes to fill. You got to fill 
at least another linebacker, at least another edge rusher or two, at least one or two defensive backs that are of starting caliber, and at least two more defensive linemen. And that's just on the defense. We also need a number, true number two receiver, good at running back. Congrats to Tyler Algier for having 1,000 yards this season. And congrats to Drake London, who is proving at least with the connection that he didn't have with Mariota, that he certainly has it with Ritter. And he's able to show that if he's not a true number one receiver, he's a 1A or a 1B. He's a guy that you can count on going in for the future of this team. So Desmond Ritter has some pieces, but there's just too many still for me to say that you can't just draft a quarterback automatically. And the other thing is, too, I don't know about you guys out there. I haven't seen enough from Will Levis. I haven't seen enough for any of these other guys that I'm convinced that these guys are franchise quarterbacks. Certainly not picking them with the number eight overall pick. That's for damn sure. Maybe if you want to talk about a fifth round or sixth round project, that's going to be a third string behind Ritter and you bring in a veteran to challenge him. That's fine. But I'm not doing anything in terms of drafting a quarterback anywhere near that number eight spot. If you just want to be able to say, hey, I'm setting my franchise in the best position possible to succeed going forward. You're going to give up too much capital if you want to go for Young or Stroud, and you're not going to be in a position to take a guy that's viable to challenge Ritter as a starter if you take him at eight or even in the second, third, or fourth round. I know Ritter was drafted in the third round, but I think we've seen enough from him to say, hey, this could potentially be the guy. We're going to go out to the phone lines now. WadeFord.com hotline is the number, 404-741-0929. Prem and Suwani, you are in the game. What's going on? Hey, guys. Hey, what's up? Hey, uh, well, i, I got to start with this is my first season ever following the NFL, so I may not be fully experienced. But I'm more curious why they hate from Mariota because there was a lot of love for him, too, like along with – some of his issues wasn't a lot of the problem on the play calling uh prime i thank you for the call i would say mariota really shot himself in the foot the last four or five games that he played because he didn't progress right you saw so the first i would say the first quarter of the season you saw enough to be potentially excited about but then as the going got tough he didn't make the team around him better, which is what the good good to great quarterbacks are supposed to do. When the going gets tough, you see the quarterbacks like Mahomes and Brady rise up the team. Now, I'm not saying Marcus Mariota needed to be Mahomes or Brady, but he needed to be able to help steady the ship during those lean games in the middle of the season, and that was a huge problem for the Falcons and why they lost so many games and couldn't score, I don't know, more than 20 points of five or six games in a row. I mean, that was a huge problem for the offense. We'll take one more quick one before we go to break here. 404 7410929. Did you see enough from Desmond Ritter to make him QB1 week one next season? Chris in College Park, you're in the game. What's going on? Hey, what's up, bro? What do you got? Hello? Yeah, hey, man. Uh, I'll get to it. Uh, I'm drinking the Kool Aid on, on Ritter, and here's why. And I, it starts with Terry Fontenot and them drafting him. And I was saying this to Rob Tribble. He reminds me, not that he'll end up, but reminds me of um, of Drew Brees. His size, the experience in college at Cincinnati that Brees had at Purdue. 
He throws that 25 to 30-yard rope like Breeze can. If you look at the size of Pitts and of Drake London, who do they remind you of? Michael Thomas. Watch how and, and watch how they put this team together around him. You've got a running back, and we've got weapons. If they can just develop him and let him play, the way he moved in the pocket looked really, really good. He made some good decisions. You know, the rookie mistake where the ball fell out of his hand, I'll take that. But each game he improved, he came out against a tough Buccaneers defense and balled. And I think with the confidence, the way he carries himself, and we got young weapons all on a rookie contract, if they if they give him some time, I, I like him, dude. I like him. All right, Chris. Thank you so much for the phone call. Uh, I like what you said, but the problem is Desmond Ritter's six three, and Drew Brees was about uh, five nine, five ten in heels. But I do understand the comparison that you're making, and I do like your point. All right, when we get back, we're going to get all the latest on the Falcons, including. Dean Pease retiring today, what to do with Desmond Ritter, and much, much more with our buddy Joe Patrick. He's joining us in less than five minutes, so don't go anywhere. And by the way, dog strike first, up 7-0. Stetson Bennett, 21-yard rushing TD. Don't go anywhere. Chris Thomas in for John Chuckery. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois.
Back with you here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It is the John Chuckery Show. Chris Thomas filling in. I am with you until the end of the national championship game, which if the finish is anything like the start, we will be discussing the dogs repeating as national champions. They struck first. Stetson Bennett rushed it in 21 yards, and then the dogs with a huge stop on defense to make it 7-0 with just about nine minutes left in the first quarter. I will keep you updated on this game all night long. But we got to talk some Falcons because the Falcons just finished up their season yesterday and already they're making headlines. Dean Pease announces today that he is going to hang it up after 55 years in coaching. So that is obviously going to make waves for the team and what they're going to do at their defensive coordinator spot. And you know we're going to talk Desmond Ritter. So let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline and welcome in my buddy, my pal, my amigo, Joe Patrick. Joe, how are you, sir? What's up, Chris, man? It's been a long season, but a very interesting one, I think, for the Falcons. So uh, it's going to be even more interesting now that we head into this offseason where it's a much different vibe, I think, in a good way as compared to last year where I feel like now we kind of see the road ahead of us, right? Like you, you've got the plan you can see the vision, and it's all about whether the Falcons now in the front office will be able to kind of put the right pieces together with all the money they have to work with this offseason. So uh, I know it feels like the season just got over, but I feel like it just begun right now. Well, they may be looking at a couple dogs because the way they started out on defense tonight, Joe, they are flying oh, around. Yeah. So we may be talking about finally getting that big dog into the Falcons' defense, and that's where I want to start. Dean Pease announces he is retiring so obviously he did about as good of a job with what he had to work with here in his couple seasons in Atlanta. So where do they go from here, Joe? Yeah, I, mean, I think you have to give DPs a ton of credit for what he's done with this defense, which was just undermanned to the greatest extent. And, you know, we can talk about the salary and the dead cap that this team just hasn't had in general. But especially when you look at the defensive side of the ball, this team lost two really important players and Eddie Goldman, who retired right before training camp started after they signed him, he was going to be the nose tackle. And then Vincent Taylor, who was another one of the important defensive linemen, gets hurt in training camp. Uh, but then you've got, you know, guys like Taquan Graham who stepped up. So uh, credit to Dean Pease and what he's been able to do. And, you know, just what a legend. He was great today. I was obviously in that press conference today. And, um, you know, it's just you almost get teary-eyed just listening to him uh, kind of talk about his career and also just hearing from the players and how much they respect him. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think that that's going to be a huge charge for the Falcons team is getting this defensive line in particular, you know, stacked up. And whether they want to do that with their draft capital at the top of the draft, which I think they probably will, or in free agency, which they probably will do, too. I think they probably do need to do, approach this kind of from all angles. Uh, it's going to be a top priority for this team because, you know, if you look at the one weakness that this defense has had basically persistent throughout not just this year but last year, it's that pass rush. I know you guys have talked about it on Dukes and Bell all year long, but it just has not been there. And while you're encouraged by the fact that this defense has been holding teams to, you know, around 20 points or just under right around that mark, um, teams have still had a lot of possession. You haven't had these big turnovers and you haven't just like had those, a lot of those impact plays that you can get when you got that kind of dominant edge rusher who can get those kind of strip sacks uh, and big sacks and things like that. So um, that's going to be a huge task for this team. I think it'll be very interesting to see, 
kind of what players they decide to target because of, you know, the strengths of, you know, where the draft is deep in certain positions. I think the draft is probably a little bit deeper on, on, on the edge position than on the interior uh, of defensive line. But then you've already got two rookies that you had this year on the edge. So do you want to, you know, add a third rookie? I think that those are the kinds of decisions that this team will be facing. All right, Joe. I was at the game yesterday. Had sweet seats, courtesy of our very own head honcho, Mike Conti. I think he wanted me to give mm-hmm. some some good analysis here tonight on the radio, so he made sure I was <laughs> I was at the game and I had good seats. So I watched every throw from Ritter. Here's my take. You have to go into next season with him as QB1, if not for anything else other than the Falcons in their first three picks need to go defensive lineman, offensive lineman, and cornerback, period. That's my take. Interesting. So I agree with I agree with almost all of what you said there, except for I would quibble with the uh, – I don't think they need to go off of the line at the top of this round. That would be the only quibble I have. But let's think it doesn't matter for a second because I'm getting a little bit annoyed at um, the uh, – Kind of the way that people are caveating this conversation about like, well, you could take a, you know a, a quarterback in the draft with your obviously with the, with the with the number eight pick that the Falcons have their first pick. Um, I don't see that as a possibility whatsoever. Like like you have Desmond Ritter who has shown that he is growing in this offense, that he's being able to more competently execute Arthur Smith's game plan every single week. And then you want to add a rookie quarterback into that mix? Like, where does that even leave Desmond Ritter? Like, like that's just a – then he's just kind of a waste of a pick, or he's just going to be a backup? Like, that, that's not what he is right now. He's growing into himself. He's got a lot of confidence. He's got a lot of leadership abilities in that locker room. And let's face it, like, any quarterback who is sitting on the bench for – what was it? Um, uh, 12 weeks or 14, 14 weeks of the season – to then like step in, like they're not going to like perform optimally. And so I think you have to kind of, you know, when you're looking at what Dustin Ritter was able to do in his four games, you have to adjust and like put it on a bit of a curve just by the fact that he just has not played. And so that's obviously going to hinder him in some of those first couple games. And what I loved about him, and I know that Dave Archer has also said this on your show, is that he's just taken steps in every single game in the positive direction. Now, will he eventually, you know, probably you know take a take a you know step in the negative direction? Sure, like that's what a lot of young quarterbacks do. But the guy has not thrown an interception in four in his first four NFL games. I know he hasn't allowed a lot of touchdown passes, but like he's not killing you either. And this offense has clearly set up an identity as a running team, and that's always what's been Arthur Smith's mo. Arthur Smith does not need. Uh, a Patrick Mahomes or some like, you know, elite quarterback to run his offense. Now, you know, obviously he's not, you know, you can run his offense with a quarterback like that too. But I mean, he had one of the top offenses in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill. And yeah, he just had a really good rushing game with Derrick Henry. So I see no reason why this team should draft a quarterback. I know that like, you know, just for media reasons and things, like it's always interesting to have your team being in that conversation. Um, having said that, I think they do definitely need, obviously, to sign a quarterback in free agency, probably one that maybe not is going to compete necessarily with Desmond Ritter in, in, in training camp, but is going to be able to push him a little bit and more so than anything, be a guy that can just help him in that quarterback room, prepare for games, prepare for certain matchups, and just try to give him that tutelage as best he can and could step in and need, you know run the offense as you need it to. Uh, if he were to miss some games. But I think that the team needs to go forward with Desmond Ritter 
as this team's starting quarterback. I see no reason why not. I would be open to hear any, uh, you know, dissenting opinions on that. I just have not heard a good opinion, a good reason at why this team be driving quarterback. Yeah, it's simply too many other needs, Joe. And Georgia does tack yeah. on a field goal, so ten nothing with about uh, six forty-five left left in the first quarter. Keep you updated on UGA TCU all night long. But right now we are talking Falcons with Joe Patrick, Chris Thomas in for John Chuckery right here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Anything you've seen from Dave Ragone that maybe would lead us to think that he may not be back? I know the offense sputtered a lot towards the end of the season, but I think a lot of that had to do with, unfortunately, the disappointing play of Marcus Mariota uh, what did you see from Coach Ragone, and do you think he's back as the OC? Yeah, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be back, to be perfectly honest. I mean, let's face it, Arthur Smith is really the one who is uh, you know, running this offense. Like, I mean, Dave Ragone obviously has, is very important cog in that machine, but you know, I think Arthur Smith takes ultimate responsibility for that. Uh, and so I think that you know, he has a good working relationship with Dave Ragone. I think that if you were to see a change, you probably would have heard something about it today. I mean, Dean Pease kind of even said that when he was at the podium today talking about one of the reasons why he wanted to go, you know, make this announcement now is because he understands the nature of the business and that, you know, if you are making a change in some of these, you know, air coaching areas, then you need to know immediately and kind of get on it while the coaching court carousel is kind of open and you have your, your, uh, your say of what you know, kind of candidates you want to bring in. So, um, I think if there were any other changes, any significant changes to the staff, uh, we probably would have known about them. But I, I think Dave Ragone has a really good relationship with Desmond Ritter as well. And I think that that's, again, one of the reasons why he will stick around. Uh, it's kind of interesting, just like kind of they're both from the same area of the country in Ohio. You know, there's a lot of similarities that they have going with each other. Uh, and I think that they have a good partnership. So I expect Dave Ragone to be around next year. Uh, I saw CP kind of get tampered down a bit as the season went on yesterday specifically. I don't know if they were just trying to get Algier to that 1,000-yard mark, which he did get, so congrats to him, and that's a really good step for the Falcons' running game moving forward. But do you expect CP to be back and in an important role next season? I, I don't know exactly what their plan was. Was it just to give him more rest? I know he got banged up a little bit towards the middle of the season. What do you foresee his role is with this team going forward? Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting that you ask that question, Chris, because I think that that's one of the more under-talked about kind of situations on this team as we head into next year, the role of, of Cordero Patterson. Because, And I think that a large part of it is just that Tyler Algier has played so well and been so consistent game to game, carry to carry, that there's not really a reason to kind of remove him from the spot he's in now. And I think that that's why you've just kind of seen him take the mantle as that running back one. And it's been Cordero Patterson is the guy who kind of comes in uh, and gets some more of the sporadic carries. I think that this offense can utilize Cordero Patterson as a guy. I, I think it's actually the, the way we've seen him used recently is probably the way that they always anticipated him being used, which is kind of a guy who can do a little bit of everything, carry the ball when you need to, um, catch some screen passes, you know, do all those kinds of things. Um, but, you know, it, I don't know. It's just going to be very interesting to see how this team evolves this offseason, what kind of pieces they add, and how Cordero Patterson fits into all of that. I think that he's obviously a very talented player. He's got another year on his contract. So, you know, I have to think that he probably will be back. But uh, you just never know what teams might do. Um, and with a player like him, he's obviously a fan favorite, too. And that, I think, 
kind of complicates things maybe even a little bit more for the Falcons, whether they, you know, if they don't want to keep him, it could be, you know, maybe a bad look, although obviously you got to do what's best for the team at the end of the day. Uh, but I do, I do think that this is definitely a, a storyline to, to keep an eye on because I don't think it's like, I don't know. I guess I just, I just don't see fans talking about it at them. Joe, last one. Um, I saw a lot of almost plays from our secondary this season where guys are getting better like Richie Grant and A.J. Terrell had a rough start to the season, but I thought he bounced back nicely, made a couple big plays yesterday, as a matter of fact. I think they mm-hmm. need to make a splash in the secondary. Do you think more likely that'll come from free agency or in the draft? Yeah, I do. I, I think that they will probably draft a corner. If I'm them, I'm thinking you got to draft a corner because – You've got A.J. Terrell on one side, and they just never were able to find a consistent starter on the other side. Again, they were not working with uh, the greatest, you know, just pedigree, I guess, in terms of, of players. And, you know, credit to all those guys who um, who did go out there, Cornell Armstrong, Darren Hall, all those guys who went out there and, you know, um, did their best. And, and you know, they, the Falcons defense was decent toward the second half of the season, but it's clear that they need a more talented player on that side. And I think that with you, when you look at what the Falcons have right now, you've got Casey Hayward – who obviously got hurt and he was his injury was the reason why you were rotating through some of these guys. But now he's going to be, I think, what, 35 uh, next year. Uh, and, you know, a veteran guy who has a big presence in that locker room, I think is the perfect kind of mentor uh, for a team that drafts a cornerback. And so I would love to see this team spend their second round pick on a corner or maybe even, I wouldn't even be opposed to honestly, the first round pick. The only reason I, I, I kind of lean away from that is just that it doesn't seem, there doesn't seem to be, you know, like a typical dominant cornerback like we would see. It's kind of, you know, Kayleigh Ringo potentially Joey Porter jr. From Penn state is another option. Um, but they're, they're not, neither of those guys are like the dominant cornerbacks that we can sometimes see emerge in these drafts, like a sauce Gardner or something like that. Um, so that's the reason I said that they would should probably spend one in the second round, but I totally agree there. And then at safety, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Isaiah Oliver. He started to get some reps at safety for the end of the year, something they trained him in and training camp to kind of cross train him. Um, you know, there's also like Chauncey Gardner Johnson, who's going to be a free agent, who's kind of in a similar mold as kind of a slot corner slash safety who you could use out there. It just depends on the money and what they're going to have to pay these guys. But I do think that you are looking at reinforcing at safety as well. I was, you know, the thing about Richie Grant, he was, he made some super impactful plays, probably had the most kind of impact plays on the defense over the course of the season. But I also got to say, he probably had the most kind of just like blatant, you know, missteps that led to opposing touchdowns throughout the course of the season. He gave up a, basically a big one on a long pass from Taysom Hill uh, in Desmond Ritter's first start there just a few weeks ago. So those are just kind of plays you can't have. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see um, how this team continues to develop Richie Grant, but uh, it's always good to have some depth there, especially when you lost a couple guys. Well, you lost, uh, uh, I forget his name, who they traded to the Bills earlier this year, and then Eric Harris is getting up there. You don't know what his future is going to be, so you got to reinforce in the second and at safety as well. Yeah, you were. I was a little more judicial calling them almost plays, but I think you uh, <laughs> you described it pretty well there. Joe Patrick, follow him on Twitter. Read all his stuff on the Falcons, covering them for us right here at Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Joe, thank you so much. Enjoy the natty. Thanks for having me on, Chris. I appreciate it, man. All right. All right. When we get back, the dogs, they just gave one up. So Duggan checks Stetson Bennett, runs one in on his own. If they're going to hang in and protect this lead, what do they have to do? One former dog has the answer. I'll let you hear that next. 
Chris Thomas in for John Chuckery, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Stetson Bennett finds Lad McConkey with an absolute dime shot down the field. Georgia up 17-7 with about two minutes and 30 seconds left in the first quarter. Things are looking good for the dogs right now. Obviously a long way to go, and we will keep you posted here all night long. I am with you, Chris Thomas. In for John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game until this game ends. And then immediately after that, Dylan Matthews, Oren Romaine are going to crank open those phone lines at 404-741-0929 and take your calls till the wee hours in the morning about the end result of this game, win or lose. So stay tuned for that. So how do the dogs protect this lead? Well, Eric Zier, obviously UGA all-time great, was on 92.9 The Game last week. And he provided, in my opinion, the blueprint for the dogs to hang on to this lead and come home with the back-to-back. Uh, you know, listen, I, I, I think I, I've got a little different different view of this. I mean, obviously, we've, we've seen some chinks in the armor uh, against this, this Georgia secondary, against this Georgia defense and in the past couple of games. I, I think it's important to keep in mind that you know, we're playing against elite talent. Those guys are really good on the other side of the ball. It would be no different with, with TCU that can attack in a number of different ways with, with elite athletes. Uh, so those guys are, are there because they're good as, as well. But no doubt some, some chinks in the arm, right? I think for the, for the dogs, because of the, the nicks and the bruises and the, the, the guys that we've got banged up, the, I, I think it's really imperative that if, if we take the blueprint that, that the dogs showed against Tennessee and that they showed in the, uh, in the fourth quarter against Ohio State where we do trust in our, in our secondary because we've got guys that can cover that, that are good. I, I think the key for this defense is applying pressure, being able to contain with that pressure. And the best way to go do that is when you get aggressive and, and you bring extra linebackers, you bring secondary. I think this Georgia defense plays at its best when it can line up and, and man-to-man, get a free safety back there that roams, do a little bit of zone blitz, but bring exotic pressures as much as you can to try to create confusion and wreak havoc. I think where we've struggled is is when we sit and we try to go rush four, 
and and sit back and, and bury his own looks and and uh, we, we've been we've been picked apart a little bit uh, when you look at that. I I really think that to, to go win today or go win this weekend, you've got to pin your ears back, trust in the talent that you have out there on the edges and in the secondary, and go bring pressure and take the fight to this TCU team. Because if you sit back uh, and and allow Duggan just to to, to have his way, you give him time to survey the field, you give him time to pick places where he wants to run, and you, you've got great receivers on the outside. If you give those guys time to think, they are good enough to beat anybody. They've proven that. I think that we, we've been at our best when we apply pressure, and, and I would love to go see the, the dogs pin their ears back and just come time after time. Oh, right on cue, Mr. Zire. Dogs with a humongous sack on Max Duggan. And that will end the first quarter in the national championship game. So things are looking great for the dogs right now. The recipe, as Eric Zier just laid out for you, is exactly what the dogs have done thus far. But guys, we got to be aware of something. TCU is going to get theirs now. This is not going to be seven on their side of the ledger at the end of this game. They're going to score some more points. They're battle-tested. This is not a little chihuahua coming in against a German shepherd. This isn't David and Goliath. TCU was battle-tested. They just had the ultimate slugfest against their game with Michigan. That is about as battle-tested and battle-ready as a team can be. So they're going to take their punches, and they're going to try their best to punch back. So even though Georgia's looking dominant through one quarter, that doesn't mean that TCU is going to lay down. As a matter of fact, I do expect them to respond. At the top of the show, I said I do expect Georgia to win. I'm not sure that they will cover the number around 13, 13 and a half, depending on where you look. That's a big number, and I think it might just be a little bit too big because TCU is not going to lay down. And that is exactly what Danny Cannell said on this radio station earlier last week as well. He says, hey, listen, TCU belongs in the game. Carl, I totally agree with you. I love uh, the fact you're getting some credit for what they accomplished this season because a lot of people didn't even want to see them get the opportunity against Michigan, right? And Nick Saban would have been one of, you know, one of them who was you know, out there campaigning for his Alabama Crimson Tide saying, we'd be favored against TCU. And you know what? There's probably about 10 or 15 teams that might have been favored against TCU even after the regular season was complete. But we don't do that. Like, we need to play the games on the field. And when they were on the field, they got it done. It didn't matter. Style points, all that, you could throw out the window because they ran the table in the regular season. And I know they came up short in the Big 12 championship game, which is why it became a little bit controversial. But they had already beaten Kansas, City in the, uh, Kansas State in the regular season, which made it a moot point. But they are a – they do feel like that team of destiny, like the team that has – really felt like they just find a way. They're not the most talented roster and they've just been, and they've been well coached. They've got great belief, great determination, and they've just kind of found ways to win, which is, I know, I know I'm right in the thick of dog territory, but it does feel like America's pulling for this underdog story of the TCU Horn Frogs. Well, it may be an underdog story in terms of national scope, Danny, but it's not an underdog story in this game right now. Like I just said, TCU belongs in this game. Not only do they belong, 
They're going to fight back. You saw it happen just, what, a week or two ago. This team has what it takes to compete against the best teams in the country. They put up a 50 spot, guys. This is not a joke. This is not a fluke. And Max Duggan is a really, really good quarterback who's going to do everything that he can. Did you see him at the end of the Kansas State game? The dude was bleeding from both elbows. He was out of breath. He was on one knee. He gave his heart and soul to that game. And you know in the national championship, you're going to expect nothing less. One more clip before we catch a break, and then we're going to switch gears and talk about the Hawks because Day-Day, I'm hanging on by a thread, my man. I'm hanging on by a thread to these Hawks, and we got to talk about it. But one more clip before we go to break. I loved this soundbite from Dave Archer. Because he uses a phrase here, and you're going to hear it in the clip, that for me is the perfect encapsulation of what this game is right now. Here's Dave Archer with Dukes and Bell. Well, first of all, Mike, and and, and I know there's been a narrative, media has perpetuated this narrative that that TCU's playing with house money. I I can't think of anything that's more ridiculous in my whole life in hearing that a team that's playing for a national championship, TCU has as much to lose in this football game as Georgia does. If you want to make the house money an analogy, you say that about Georgia. They won it last year, so they're playing with house money. It's stupid. You know, these guys are going to have this one opportunity. TCU's they won their national championship in 1938. Can you imagine what the, the pressure's on these guys, the way they want to win this football game? I want to just dispel that analogy that they're playing with house money. If you're a guy that can make the analysis or make the analogy that, okay, well, at least we got this far. If we lose the yeah. game, then at least we got this far. You're a loser. You're never going to win a championship. None of those guys in TCU's locker room is going in saying, hey, look how far we got. Look at us. We were picked seventh in the conference. They don't care anything about that. That's a media precipitated site situation. It drives me crazy. I love it from Arch right there. Yes, this is not a house money game. TCU is in this to win the whole damn thing, guys. This would be the obviously the most historic win in, in their entire collegiate history for TCU, and it wouldn't even be close to go up against the reigning national champions and knock them off from becoming a dynasty. Uh, hell yeah, they're going to give it their all, guys. They're they're going to be in this game no matter what the score is. You are not if, if Georgia's up fifty to seven at the half, they're not fighting. They're not backing down. They are coming back in the second half and giving it everything they got, and they're going to play every single play of this game like it was the last play of the game. All right, coming up next, here's the thing. I've been riding with this team. I believed in them. I I loved what they did in the offseason. But we got ourselves a problem, Hawks fans. We're going to get into this. I just don't know if we have the right recipe and there's too many cooks in the kitchen. I'll explain when we get back. It is Chris Thomas in for John Chuckery right here. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game.
Stetson Bennett, man, does it again. He walks the dog right. Well, you know what? I should say he strolls the dog right into the end zone. Left side, easy score, 24 to 7 with about 8 minutes and 30 seconds left in the second quarter. Day Day, I'm going to say this, and I want your opinion on it. Mm -hmm. Um, They just showed the shot as they were going to commercial break of Stetson celebrating and throwing both of his hands up in the air. If If you're listening right now, imagine the gesture. He throws both of his hands up in the air over his head, kind of like, well, this is what we got cooking here. Slow down there, cowboy. Day day. It's it's a few minutes into the second quarter. They got a lot of game left, and TCU can score. Man, I don't I don't know if that's the tact I want my quarterback taking just yet. Yeah, I can I can I can understand where you're coming from on that, but I will say this: uh, that front that front line there for the uh, Georgia offense. They look like they are wearing that defense down. And so, obviously, TCU is probably waiting for the half to get here, try to recharge and, and come back out. But, I, and listen, if Georgia puts another score up and TCU does not, uh, I don't remember what the largest deficit they've come from behind this year is, but I think Stetson might be, uh, he might be right. All right. I'm just saying, just, just you, can, you can do it. It's your last college game ever. I'm fine with it. Just, just a little bit. You gotta wait before you pop that can open and start doing that stuff and strutting around the field. Just wait a little bit longer. It's the national championship, guys. You know this. This team is the other team's there too. They earn their right, and you know they they put up a fifty spot in their last game, so they're more than capable of coming back on offense. But obviously, the Georgia defense minus one drive from Duggan has been their usual dominant self. All right, we got to talk about this, guys. And I waited about as long as I could into the show. We're going to have our very own Caleb Johnson on at the top of the hour to talk me off the ledge and talk some Hawks basketball. (sighs) Guys, I don't know. They went went two and two on the West Coast swing. None of the games were particularly pretty. Um, I actually thought the thing that stood out the most was the loss to the Lakers as opposed to any of the wins. You could argue they could have gone 3-1 and one if they won that Warriors game, but that's part of the problem. They don't win those games. They haven't all season. couple questions for you guys out there in the audience. Let me know. 404-741-0929. If you want to call in, I'll take some calls on this as well as the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line. If you're watching the game and want to shoot me a text, the text line is open. Are Trey Young and Nate McMillan the winning combo at head coach and star player for this team? I don't know. I thought I knew. I thought I knew back in the Knicks series and the and the 76ers series. I was pretty damn convinced taking bows at Madison Square Garden, shooting threes, ice tray, give me the shimmy and the I'm too cold shake for you. Loved all the histrionics. Our star has arrived moment. Nate comes in, takes over for Lloyd. That ended terribly. He was exactly what this team needed, a veteran steadying force, the calm to the youth movement that was Trey, and Bogey 
and Kevin Herter and John Collins. And then something just happened. And we're all kind of scratching our heads as to what that thing is. Did Trey stop listening to Nate? Reports of disagreements, not showing up to practices, missing games. Are Trey and JC beyond repair? New, and I'm talking new, 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 because this is like the fifth or sixth one, rumors of John Collins getting traded. And he addressed that in an article in The Athletic. If you have a subscription, check it out. Sam Amick, we're going to try to get him on Dukes and Bell this week. It is an absolutely phenomenal read to sit down with JC talking about his future in the league. Is it the Trey and DJ thing that they were supposed to have gelled by now? Guys, 19 and 21, they were supposed to have gelled by now. I haven't seen it. So what is it? What, what's missing? Is it column A? Is it column B? Is it column C? Or is it a mix of all of those? I'm here to tell you, I don't care what it is. It's not working. This is not a championship caliber team. And that is the track that they were supposed to be on. I'm not saying they were supposed to win the title this year, but they were supposed to be closer to the team that won the Eastern or that made it to the Eastern Conference Finals than the team that got bounced, honestly got humiliated by the Heat last season. So that's my problem. I don't care what the beef is, honestly, as a fan. I just want it to get fixed, and I need it to get fixed. So you let me know, 404-741-0929. You can call in, also text me on the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line. Let me know your thoughts. Maybe Nate McMillan can make some sense for us, Day-Day. He says, well, we wanted to finish the road trip 500. All right, that's good and well, Nate. Not good enough. Let's hear it. I thought our guys came out and uh, they wanted to finish this road trip. Uh, 500. Uh, you know, we talked about that in our last game. Uh, we still have an opportunity to uh, make this a, a, a successful, good road trip. And uh, I thought they came out focused and and uh, played solid basketball from start to finish. Okay, but why'd you lose the Warriors game, Nate? Why? Because you were sloppy, there were turnovers, and you weren't able to finish games. And that's been the theme of the season all year long, and it's really frustrating because we know the talent's there. There's been injuries, of course. I know we're missing Clint, and Nate talked about that as well. We'll get to that in a second. And he says, listen, DeAndre Hunter defending Kawhi, that was a really good job. He defended one of the best players in the team on, in the league. But, Day-Day, why doesn't that happen every night? Why can't DeAndre Hunter put up 25 and guard your best defender? Why? That that just seems to be the biggest issue with him, Chris. There's no consistent chemistry. Um, he, Nate seems to, you know, con, con, constantly toy with the, the lineups. And there's just no consistent chemistry night to night on, that, on the hardwood. And that's the problem. And it's just it kind of seems to stem from where the leadership is coming from. Or lack thereof. Or lack thereof, Which yeah. is, I think, the problem. I think DJ has come in and tried to be that guy, but he's been here for five minutes. And he's a, again, he's a star. I wouldn't consider him a superstar. 
We don't have a superstar on this team right now. Nate McMillan talking about, hey, at least DeAndre did well. I thought his defense was really good uh, tonight. You know, players like Kawhi, I mean, you're not going to stop those guys. If you can make it uh, tough on them and don't allow them to get to the free throw line, uh, that's about as good as you can do. And I thought uh, DeAndre was, was solid all night long. I wanted to try to match his minutes uh, with him. And, uh, you know, the thing was to just try to stay in front of him. Yeah, and that's something Carl Dukes talks about a lot on Dukes and Bell. Hunter was supposed to be the three. And then we got DJ, which you can argue now JC and Hunter will battle between the three and the four on any given night, depending on who's got the hot hand. Hunter's not that guy, man. Not yet. I mean, maybe he's a really late bloomer, but usually in the NBA by season two, season three, Guys have really come into their own. And I just haven't seen it enough from Hunter consistently. The guy has all the talent in the world on both sides of the ball. But he's just a really frustrating player to watch because he doesn't do it every single night. Now, something I just talked about. You are missing Clint Capella, which is a big deal. He was having a really good start to the season. Nate talked about it, but still, guys, no excuses. You know, we just uh, we got we need to get our big guy back. You know, uh, we've been getting pounded on the boards. Uh, we're small uh, when we have uh, Oyeka and John in there, and uh, you know we need for all of our guys to get in and help uh, rebound uh, the ball. Okay, you know what's supposed to negate that day day? Hey, everyone, close to the speakers. I'm going to give you the secret sauce. Three. Point shooting. The Hawks are awful, terrible, atrocious, whatever term you want to use. Not only in general, but here's the problem, especially up to their standards. They were a 3 and D team. Now, I don't know. What is Trey doing? There's so many times I see him with DJ bringing up the ball where he just goes to the corner, gets the three, and clanks it. What happened? He is shooting 31.4% from three on the season. I'm going to say that again. Trey Young, one of the league's best shooters, bar none, and he's still top ten in scoring, by the way. He's ninth in scoring. is shooting 31.4% from three. That is absolutely unacceptable one more from nate he says hey chris shut up about trey he closed out the game for us all right coach uh, you know we wanted to uh get some movement in our actions in our offense and i thought he did a good job of getting us into our sets looking to attack and closing you know uh you know a guy like that uh you know He's really one of our closers, and uh, we're going to put the ball in his hands and allow him to make decisions. And I thought tonight uh, he made some good reads, and uh, he was able to uh, to finish. Yeah, and you know what? He actually shot 50% from three in that game. It was like a Christmas miracle come late. He was three for six from three. Oh, my goodness. You know what that was the last – four seasons for Trey, a bad shooting night. I'm sorry. You're only taking six threes in the game. 
I need you trying to double that, Trey. What? What? Ha- that's that's what I'm asking everyone out there that are Hawks fans. What happened to this team? Is it Nate and Trey? Chemistry's broken. Is it Trey not being able to shoot the three? Is it he and DJ not gelling together the way that they thought? Is it an irre- irreparable rift with him and John Collins? I don't know, and I don't care. The only thing that I do know is that it seems like, unless there's serious changes on the court, that there's going to need to be changes off the court. That's what I know right now with the Atlanta Hawks. And when we get back, Caleb Johnson is going to provide some more insight on this. I'm going to pick his brain, and I'm going to present these scenarios to him, and I'm going to force him to step up to the plate and give me all that insight he gets from covering the team right here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It is Chris Thomas in for John Chuckery. Stay right there. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 